0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Elijah Nelson Manning, born on January 3rd, 1981, was acquired by the New York Football Giants via a trade in the 2004 NFL Draft with the San Diego Chargers. And as the most valuable player this franchise has ever seen, Manning looks to try and make at least one last run at a great season in 2019. This is Previewing the Giants. The highly awaited episode for this previewing the Giants series, covering the starting quarterback for the 2019 season—at least part of it—Eli Manning. It's here,
0: David. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. You know, it's it's really interesting when we first started planning these uh these episodes, Justin, way back when we we put out we we. Kind of worked on a schedule of, of who we wanted to do when and when we wanted to put certain episodes out. Eli Manning was like, that was like the episode. It was, it was uh,
1: one of three. And I think you can guess the other two. Uh, I'm going to say Saquon. Correct. Danny Boy. I'm glad you know this team and know what this podcast, uh, know what's in the plans
0: for this podcast well, David. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. I pay attention sometimes. Merry Christmas, you're not going to the playoffs. Exactly. I I pay attention sometimes. Um, But I think it's interesting because, you know, with with how big a narrative Daniel Jones is is starting to uh, gather, I think people are forgetting Eli. People are forgetting about old number 10. Literal old number 10. Wait. Thank you.
1: All right, you literally you you don't have any other point besides that. That was just I. Was that just, people are forgetting literally this old is, number. This time. is just our intro. All right. Usually that was that was a terrible job at transitioning.
0: I'm terrible. Sorry. I'm usually better at that. Yeah.
1: All right, um, David, <laughs> uh, what else? What else is there really to say about Eli? In terms of his life outside of football. Because that's, that's how we usually kind of like to start these episodes, especially with some of these bigger players. No matter what, he has always been an absolute class act. Years with working with Cancer Foundations. He's always been the dad jokester in the locker room. And that's where I kind of want to bring our attention. Where um, I want to bring up some of Eli's best pranks. He's been called before the godfather of pranks. So I'm looking back to... Um, a prank that Eli, this is the, this is a, this is an old prank in the Manning book, according even, uh, even one that, uh, that, uh, Peyton would do back, uh, back in his playing days where Eli Manning reportedly and apparently quietly stole Hakeem Nix's cell phone. At one point, he punched a few keys into his cell phone. And when Nix came back to his locker, the phone's operational language had been switched <laughs> to Japanese. So apparently, uh, the uh, Hakeem Nix actually had to reach out to former Giants wide receiver Steve Smith for assistance in undoing the damage, and Steve Smith replied saying, "Eli did it to him before, or Eli did it to me before." And <laughs> so, so I've, I've I've heard that one before, but apparently, like Eli has done that, like that's like a frequent go to for Eli to just change the language on phones. Now the most difficult part a part about that David. You have to know the language to change your phone back to the proper language of English. Have you did you now did you ever think about that? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the whole prank. Is it not? No, I feel like sometimes though you can just like oh yeah. He just changed the language on the phone. You can you can quickly change that back but you technically can't like,
0: especially during the days of like flip phones. Yeah. You're totally screwed. It's, it's hilarious. It's perfect. And I think what's really funny is first of all, that means that Eli somehow knew the passcodes of like all of his teammates, which I think we're overlooking. Cause I mean, chances are Hakeem Nix had a phone that had a passcode on it. I I highly doubt Hakeem Nix left his cell phone in a locker room of 52 other men, and was just like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Right? But know, were, anybody- there, were there iPhones in 2011? I think they were, right? They're definitely were. Pretty sure. Yeah, they definitely, yeah. absolutely, no doubt. Okay. So that means that that means that Eli not only is a good prankster, but he's also very sneaky and kind of creepy, which I could see. I totally understand. I can totally get that.
1: I mean, how easy is it? I mean, think about like how much time you spend in an NFL locker room and how much time like all of those guys spend together. I am pretty sure it is very easy to catch somebody's passcode. It wasn't easy for Hakeem Nicks to catch anything. Oh, come on, <laughs> come on! Oh.
0: <laughs> Boo! Oh, I had to. You can't Boo. mention a receiver and say the word "catch" in the same sentence and not expect me to go somewhere with that. I love Hakeem Nix, man. You can't be doing that. All right, here's another. I did too. I did too. I'm gonna give.
1: I'm gonna give. Uh, am gonna give two more Eli. Eli. Uh, pranks. All right, so kickers apparently during practice and during training camp days, they have the tendency to leave early because they don't have as many daily scheduled meetings as others, you know, to go to one positional room, maybe to the other, to go to like a team meeting and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So so one day Eli Manning decided to, uh, to hit Lawrence Tynes where it hurt. And I think this is also back in 2011 because kickers were notorious for leaving the team buildings early after practice. Manning enlisted a couple of teammates to park their cars, so they boxed Tynes' vehicle in. When Tynes went to his car, thinking that he was headed for a nice meal and a return to his room, he had to sit there for at
0: least another hour until <laughs> Manning
1: emerged with a big grin.
0: That's hilarious, and, and the only way you can get away with that is if you've got so much, so much, like, significant clout on the team. And, and if I'm Eli, it's just, it's such a powerful position to be in. You can do anything.
1: But he's honestly a dad. He's not like... I mean, at least now. Like, you just think of him as, like, such
0: a dad. Can you imagine being one of Eli's kids? How, like, dorky your dad is. Like, when he... You know, when you show up to the father-daughter dance, and not only is your dad Eli Manning, so everyone's, like, gushing over him, but he shows up in, like, his high-waisted Wrangler jeans and just, you know... Like, the boat shoes with the white socks that don't really work. No, no,
1: Eli is definitely a, like vineyard vines type of guy you think he's kind of like a pretty boy oh yeah oh you kidding me from uh he lived in hoboken for a little while oh yeah man he's not in no wrangler he's no brett Favre in wrangler jeans
0: regular jeans was, nah. was that was the first jean brown i can go up with he'd probably be more like you know like dickies no no i think he's super dorky he's so
1: dorky but i think he's dorky where he's like bougie dorky you think he has a fashion sense no, but I think he has a fashion sense that's like rooted in vineyard Vi- not vineyard vines. Uh, yeah, vineyard vines. That's with the whale.
0: That's not a fashion sense. That's the whale. Yes. So you think you think it's not so much a fashion sense. It's more just. It's like the fashion sense of a late teen, early twenty year old preppy. Yeah, it's it's a high school a high school prep school fashion. Yes. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah, boat shoes. Yeah, the whole the whole
0: nine yards. The question is when he wears like khaki shorts, does he wear a regular belt or does he wear like a rope belt? Cuz that says everything about about where you stand in terms of your fashionista fashionista life. I promise one more prank. This one, this episode's going to piss off UCLA professor so far. I
1: know, I know, but this is this I think this is actually funny though. Um so apparently at at some point the offensive line did something to Eli Uh, I don't know when this was. Don't know when this was. But uh, offensive line did something to Eli. So Eli goes to the equipment room and Eli got legitimately like purple paint. All of the linemen, their whole starting five linemen, they all had purple shoes. Their dress (laughs) shoes were purple. And those were like, and those are like expensive shoes. And they were apparently like, they're getting on a plane and Eli Manning just painted their shoes purple. So there's no turning back. And I'm pretty sure maybe Tom Coughlin was the coach at the time because Antonio Pierce was the one that was speaking on behalf of the prank. So imagine that. Uh, imagine that Tom, Tom Coughlin, you, know, you go up to Tom Coughlin and Tom Coughlin says, why are your shoes purple? The offensive linemen say, Eli Manning painted them purple. Tom Coughlin's like, Get out of my face,
0: <laughs> Eli! Does nothing wrong. Go away, you bunch of <laughs> clowns.
1: <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Eli would never do. You know, it, it's like maybe Tom Coughlin was like one of those parents where it's like my kid would never.
0: <laughs> Eli would never do that. So, Justin, you said you you mentioned really quick. We are so far off topic right now.
1: We are previewing Eli Manning, and we are giving everybody We're necessary pre- information <laughs> on who Eli Manning is. As a football player, and this is part of it,
0: great well, part of his identity. Well, I don't, if, I don't know if you've ever heard this this story, but um, I remember I read a book. I know, shocking, I read a book. Um, uh, it was by Michael Strahan, actually. Thank you, thank you. It was, it was by Michael Strahan. It was kind of told from his point of view from things. And he was talking about pranks in the locker room. And I think this might give some insight as to why Eli Manning pranks the way he does. And you mentioned the offensive line pranking him. Have you ever heard what Sean O'Hara used to do? No. To Eli Manning? When Eli Manning first came in the league, there was this apparently happened on multiple occasions. Michael Strahan tells the story of a prank where it was one of the first days of practice. I don't know if it was his rookie year, maybe, maybe two years in, I don't know. And Eli was under center and goes to put his hands under, you know, looking for the ball. Sean O'Hara had cut a hole in his shorts. A player on the Giants touched my butt. Exactly. Well, not quite. When Eli went to put his hands under to get the ball, he got a whole different uh very moist, a whole different package. Put it that way. He he got a very very different uh ball in his hands.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, I don't yeah. like
0: that. So I think, I think Eli might be scarred from that experience and from that point forward has just decided, you know what, I'm going to be the prankster on this team because I don't want Sean O'Hara in my hands again.
1: Eey.
0: Zoinks. Not much you can say in response to that. Zoink scoops. <laughs> hey, Justin, you said you wanted a soundbite from me. There has to have been a soundbite somewhere in there. Mm. I'll try to find it. I'll try to find okay. it. I'll try to see what okay. I can find. Okay, cool.
1: All right, let's move on to uh Eli Manning's uh, basic stats and info. So, uh e- so Eli Manning from uh his 2018 season had quite the interesting season cuz I feel like maybe there's such a divide when you in Giants Twitter in Giants land amongst Giants fans when you are talking about Eli Manning. Uh, and I think David and I were almost the perfect representation of that divide if you listen to our our episodes last year, where I have the tendency to be very critical of Eli, and David has the tendency to, I don't want to say make excuses because I don't want to put words into David's mouth, but definitely uh, David would be more on the defending Eli side. So if you look at Eli's numbers uh, statistically, and you just look at his numbers from there, Um, In terms of his completion percentage, it was the highest in his entire career at 66%. In terms of yards, he was one yard short short of 4,300 yards, the highest total that he had since 2015. He had 21 touchdowns. Um, He had 11 interceptions, which was the lowest in his career. I'm sorry, not the lowest in his career. It was the second lowest in his career. 2008 was the lowest in his career where he had 10 interceptions, but 2018 he had 11. His yards per attempt was seven and a half yards, which was the highest that he's had in his career since 2011 at 8.4. His quarterback rating was 92.4, which was the highest that he's had since 2015 and 92.4 is, you know, top five of highest QBRs that he's had um, in his career. He also had 47 sacks, which was the highest number that he has been sacked in his entire career, 47. And the second highest in his entire career, which which he was sacked, um, was 39 times back in 2013. So a, a nice little thing about pro football reference, David, that I really do like, and you typically, you typically look at these numbers for pro baseball reference when you're analyzing a baseball player, where you look at um, OBP plus or OPS plus, where basically anything above a 100 for OPS plus is above average. So they have the same thing here on pro football reference for quarterbacks in particular. I don't really know if they don't really have it for a lot of other positions because it's hard to evaluate. But basically anything above a 100 for certain statistics Um, That is above average. So for Eli, his yards per attempt plus was a 105 last year. That is a above average since 100 is average. That is the highest that he has had since the year 2012. Completion percentage plus was a 109. That was the highest that he's had in his entire career. Granted, 66% the highest that he's had in his entire career as well. But the completion percentage plus shows it, especially when you compare it to the other quarterbacks in the league, his touchdown percentage plus was a 91. So that's significantly below average. All right. So David, uh, those are basically his like kind of like simple stats They're, You know, no, none of those are really advanced metrics. Um, what the, what the advanced passing was, was just simply kind of comparing his numbers to the rest of the league and what is average. So, Tell me your thoughts on Eli Manning's season and then maybe we'll break it up and I'll go into a little bit more of the advanced analytics that share and paint a better picture on Eli Manning's 2018 season and maybe even his career as a whole.
0: I don't know a single Eli supporter and I am somebody who uh, throughout last year and throughout the previous two years specifically because those have been the years he's really come under fire. I don't really think there's too many people out there who believe those stats are uh, paint a full picture. Now, granted, there are some people out there who look at those kinds of stats and say, "Well, you see, you see, he's 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 playing the best he's played in his career." The people who do that, kindly, you're not paying attention. You're not trying to pay attention. You're not attempting to open up your mind a little bit. I think the majority of Eli supporters, and this is this is kind of where I fell and have fallen, is. Yes, he's done a couple of things well or better than he has in his career. For example, taking care of the ball. I think for the longest time, that was that was the big when Eli when Eli was still a quote unquote gunslinger, right? Uh, late two thousands, early early twenty tens, he. he had no problem throwing the ball downfield. He had no problem trying to make any throw, fit any ball into any window, but he turned the ball over a lot. It, it, was a, it was a high risk, high reward with Eli constantly. He made some bonehead decisions and he made some other plays that you said, I don't know another quarterback in the NFL that would try to make that play and make it when he was at the, at the top of his game. So you look at these numbers and you say, okay, he takes he's taking care of the ball more. He, his completion percentage is up which is another thing that has never historically for Eli been been high. These are all good things. But if you stop there, it doesn't paint the full picture. I know, Justin, you're going to get in in a second, painting a fuller picture. And I want to talk from the perspective of an Eli supporter. When people like me defend Eli, it's not a defense saying, but he's playing so well. I don't believe he's playing. he has played very well. My, my main point has been you need to surround him with things that will make him work better. And we'll get into that, I think, at the very end. But things like the offensive line, the running game, personnel packages that suit him better. So you look at these stats, look at a comparison to the rest of his career, comparison to the rest of the league, and it doesn't look terrible. But it does not paint the full picture. You need you you need to be willing to open. If you're an Eli supporter, what I ask you to do is listen to the next 10 minutes, not get pissed off immediately. Don't just revert back to what to, to your defense, because we're not coming here and attacking him. Because I think, Justin, I can speak for both of us when I say both of us are more optimistic about his 2019 season than we have been about his 2017 and 2018 seasons. Oh, absolutely. So listen to what we're trying to say and understand that we're both more optimistic this year and I think there's there's good reason to defend him the previous two years I am one of those people but there's also very very good reason to say this is why those these stats are extremely misleading and you need to look deeper so Justin go ahead
1: right so you know like we said his 2018 season was solid in a lot of different ways and when you look at the advanced passing stats with comparing him to the, you know, what is the average portion of the league, really, where the only part that he was ranking below that 100 mark on pro football reference, and I really do encourage you to log on to pro football reference and look at what I'm looking at, because it may be a little bit difficult to comprehend as I'm kind of just like talking and just throwing these numbers out there, but the only part that he was really below average was with the touchdowns. And obviously, you know, a, a team, you know, the, the way to win in the NFL is to score points, right? You got to win. You got to score more points than the other team. But here's some more um, advanced analytics. Um, this is a lot of this is from basically all of this is from Pro Football Focus. From week eight on in 2018, Eli Manning was Pro Football Focus's 32nd best graded uh, passer, despite all of the points the team scored in the second half of the season. You know, one of the things that you heard Dave Guttman say, and Dave Guttman has ha- has to defend his guys and his players, as he should. But, you know, we saw things out of Eli. We saw things out of the offense the second half of the season. Some very good things. More points were scored. But still, pro football focus had Eli as the 32nd best graded passer, despite all those points. For the entire year, his passing grade was a 63.7, which was 30th. He had an overall grade of 64.3. Not very good. (laughs) Not very good. It ranks in the way it is the lower tier of the league. Um, The highest percentage of checkdowns over the last two seasons, David. Now, I want to make a note. Screen plays are not checkdowns. They are play calls. So... You know, uh, David, I know you like, and and as as you should, you kind of like to come at me sometimes when I read these statistics and ask, you know, does this statistic take into account this? Does it take into account that? So I can answer the question. Checkdowns are not screenplays. Those are designed play calls. So um, highest percentage of checkdowns over the last two seasons, there is Blake Bortles at number one with a with an 11 to 11.2 percent checkdown rate. On throws, Deshaun Kaiser with ten point four percent, and then Eli Manning at a ten point two percent checkdown rate. <laughs> no bueno.
0: Well, no, I agree, and I'm going to stop you there before you go to your next point. I completely agree with you, and and this is something that you and I have talked about. Well, you
1: can't disagree with it, David. It's a stat.
0: Well, I'm agreeing that it's not bueno.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, because believe it or Thank not, you. David. Believe it or not, David. People would be like, no. I
1: guarantee you that there might even be a few people right now listening to this and be like, no, I don't agree with you. No, I don't like
0: that. But it's a, it's a stat. Sorry. But I do think it's worth noting out of those quarterbacks. And I'm, I'm sure if you went and looked at the couple of guys, even, uh, you know, next in the list, the next couple of guys in the list, guarantee you, nobody's running back is like Saquon Barkley. So I do think because of Barkley, Eli's checkdown rate will be a lot higher because, I think there legitimately are plays that are de- at, that are designed swing passes, that are designed plays to get Saquon the ball in the backfield.
1: No, but David, there's a difference between doing that and checking the ball down. There is a clear difference between the two, and, I, and you know that. I agree. No, I completely agree. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. What good is it when you call a play for Eli Manning to throw the ball to a receiver or a tight end? What good is it when his first option and where he looks first is Saquon Barkley, who is running parallel to the line of scrimmage, when that is not what
0: the play has been designed to do. What good does that do? It does very little. I know we've talked about that. I'm just saying, I, I just want to point out, you know, I, it's for, to me, these stats are also all about transparency. I'm not, I don't want to just sit here and say, I, I, I think Blake Bortles, Deshaun Kaiser, and Eli. Checking the ball down are vastly different things. Think about who Blake Bortles was checking the ball down to, think about who Deshaun Kaiser is checking the ball down to, and think about who Eli is checking the ball down to. I'm not saying it doesn't, it no doubt paints a picture, Justin. I, I completely agree with your ultimate point. I just want to point out Eli is going to check the ball down a lot. And and I think a lot of it has to do with you've got a weapon there, you're gonna use them.
1: We also can talk about the, the paranoia that has been planted into Eli's head with not only terrible offensive linemen, and this is where I defend Eli, not only with terrible offensive linemen, but also with Ben McAdoo insisting that he has to get the ball out of his hands in a little over two seconds. Like, yeah, literally, seconds, that's yeah. what we've seen from Ben McAdoo. And granted, when he came in, especially in 2014, 2015, that was a big plus. It was a huge plus. Get Eli Manning the ball out of his hands quicker. Let's cut down the turnovers. What he had a he had a season of a uh, of 27 interceptions, and I want to get the year right. He had a year of 27 interceptions in 2013. So that's the season before Ben McAdoo came over. So uh, Kevin Kildrive wasn't really cutting it. No, Kevin Kildrive wasn't really cutting it when Eli's thrown 27 interceptions. So. Granted, that was the move to go with then, but it has, in a way, it has ruined Eli's career since then. So I want to bring up some more statistics and a few more, and then we'll and then we'll kind of move on. This is going to be a long episode. Yes, like, it is. as As you're already as you're already here for it. Another statistic measures the highest percentage of passes thrown short of the sticks from 2016 to 2018. Now, this list isn't necessarily to point out bad quarterback play because you look at the context of who is on this list compared to the checkdown one, it can kind of paint you a better story. Drew Brees was first with a 56.3% of passes thrown short of the sticks. Alex Smith with a 55.7% was second. And then Eli Manning was fourth with throwing short of the sticks 54.6% of the time. So, David, there's a difference between, and I feel like people sometimes like to, you know, they like to nitpick statistics just like people like to nitpick anything. There's a difference between checking the ball down and throwing the ball short of the sticks. Throwing the ball short of the sticks and throwing it to receivers, much like Drew Brees does, Alex Smith was definitely one of the guys up there with checking the ball down at a very high rate. I believe his check down rate was around the 9% mark. And that's why you see. I'm, I would like to see Patrick Mahomes' checkdown rate because you see the way that he's slinging the ball all around the field, and maybe see why Andy Reid saw po- more positive things out of Patrick Mahomes compared to Alex Smith. But that's a but that's bleeding. Uh, that's bleeding Kansas City Chiefs. That's no. That's not. A, that's not bleeding <laughs> blue. So I bring that stat out there just to not poo poo totally on Eli on his checkdown rate and his yards per attempt because clearly in the NFL it is working for guys like Drew Brees to over half of the time, over 50% of the time, to throw the ball short of the six. David, we know that Eli Manning's two favorite targets throughout his entire career are his tight ends and the third down slot receiver. And we've just said that on a whim. Well, now we actually have numbers to back up this claim. Eli's career passer rating by position. Now this is his entire career passer rating. So shout out to pro football focus for really, you know, finding this out and evaluating this. Eli's career passer rating by position 97.6 with a tight end 97.4 with a slot wide receiver 90.4 with the running back and 90.2
0: with an outside wide receiver. Well, yeah. And and again, this is these things we've, we've been saying, I'm happy that we've got some stats now to back us up and prove us right but you combine that stat about his passer rating by position and you combine the previous stat talking about sh- throwing the ball short of the sticks think about where your slot receiver is going to end up on a play think about where your tight end is often going to end up on a play oftentimes those 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 positions end up short of the sticks he's always been comfortable in that kind in, in that kind of an offense it's just trying to manage the play calls. It's trying to manage putting guys in the right places so Eli can operate at his highest capacity.
1: Now, also, David, you do have to remember, just because you have a high passer rating does not mean that you are a high-functioning, effective quarterback.
0: No, that's my... That, exactly, that's that's my ultimate... My, my, my overall point is he's good. He, he, he has always been good, whether or not good... Good in the sense that he's productive, he's successful in terms of getting ball to receiver, ball to player catching the ball. It's a matter of taking that and turning that into offensive production. And offensive production relies on getting those players, the tight ends and his slot receivers primarily, the players that he's always been good at throwing the football to. It's about getting those players in positions where they can become offensively productive and not just padding his yardage stats, padding, um, you know, a lack of interceptions and padding his completion percentage.
1: All right. So, David, I really want to get to um, an Eli Manning kind of like career context in terms of where the Giants have ranked in pass blocking ranks, according to Pro Football Focus, the last eight years. So this is actually a tweet from Dan Schneier. So shout out, shout out to Dan Schneier. Shout out to Pro Football Focus for always, you know, putting these great numbers together. Always friends of the show. Friends of the show. 2011, uh, the Giants were uh, last, uh, literally last in the league in pass blocking ranks. And uh, if you remember, uh, Eli Manning had um, a, a very good season that year. He, he led the team to the playoffs on solely his arm without literally an offensive line. And... Uh, just in case you forgot he also did win a Super Bowl Uh, in 2012 the offensive line uh, pass blocking ranked 14 2013 it was 31st 2014 it was ranked 14th in 2015 it was 22nd 2016 21st 2017 27th and 2018 28th that is 75 percent of these last eight years with a bottom third pass blocking offensive line Eli Manning has never had a top 10 pass blocking offensive line All of this is to say David you can blame Now I don't like playing the blame game I really don't I like evaluating what I see on the football field I do except when I like to talk about John Mayer so I'm a fucking hypocrite <laughs> Bad guy Bad guy bad, bad guy move on me but I do give the dis- I do give the disclaimers of Don't listen to this if you don't like listening to hypotheticals because I don't like talking about it, but it is necessary to talk about sometimes. Neither here nor there. When we are talking about football, I don't like to play the blame game. I like to evaluate what I see in front of me. And what I've seen in front of me is that even if this offensive line has been terrible, and it has been bad these last few years, numbers back that up, eye test backs that up. Even when this offensive line is bad, Eli Manning, has been bad along with it. I don't understand the sole factor of solely blaming the offensive line for poor quarterback play. I understand that it hasn't been good. I understand that when the offensive line play has seemed to look better second half of the 2018 season, and even looking at this training camp and looking at this preseason, how comfortable Eli has been. Is it because that Eli has revitalized his arm strength with Outlider's trainer? Is it because Eli actually does feel more comfortable and he's not as shell-shocked? Is it just because they drafted Daniel Jones and he has a bit of fire lit under, lit, lit under into him? Nobody can really answer that for sure. And if you think you have the right answer, you're wrong because you don't know. We're not in the building. I don't even know if Eli Manning knows exactly what it is. Hopefully it continues. But David, I evaluate what I see I look at these stats, you, and you look at the film, I have rewatched every single offensive play from the 2018 season, David, and Eli Manning was bad. He has terrible pocket awareness, not just pocket mobility. There is a clear difference between pocket mobility and pocket awareness. A quarterback has to be aware in the pocket, like we've seen with Daniel Jones and his fumbling problems this preseason. Two, the two fumbles that he's had this preseason. He needs to be a little bit more aware in the pocket. Eli is terrible in the pocket. Terrible. He's missed wide open guys down the field. Constantly. Constantly, constantly, constantly. It's led to sacks. It's led to checkdowns. It's led to unproductive plays. So, David, I've said my piece I don't like the excuses. I'm done with the excuses. I hope the Giants are done with the excuses because they actually do have some sort of answer that is behind Eli Manning. And that is why I am extremely optimistic about this season because even if things do go wrong, it's not like we're, you know, oh, Kyle Luletta. When's Kyle Luletta coming in? When's Davis Webb coming in? When's Geno Smith coming in? So I've said my piece. Go forth.
0: I get it. I'm not going to harp for too long on this. Um, I understand what you're saying about uh, the offensive line play has never really been outstanding, and when when the offensive line play has been bad, he's been bad. I agree. I don't. I don't blame all of Eli's struggles the last couple of years on the offensive line. What I will say, we're talking about a guy who, in the last two years, has been sacked 78 times. That's not just poor offensive line play. That's opening the floodgates. He was sacked, I, I think it was fifth most last season. The only guys the only guys who were sacked more than him were Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, and Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers obviously is Aaron Rodgers. Um, although, statistically... Let me also add that Deshaun Watson was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure last year, and Eli Manning was one of the worst. Well... Deshaun Watson was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure last year because he was under pressure all the time. Ooh. Zing. We, we are aware. Look at look at the top three, especially. And then the fifth. These are all mobile guys. Watson, Prescott, and Wilson are all mobile quarterbacks. Wilson and Watson are not only mobile, but I would say they're maybe even they're more of a dual threat than Prescott. But Prescott's no doubt mobile. Rogers is absolutely mobile. It's what's made him so dangerous for his entire career. Eli is not that. I don't think we we should stand here and say that's Eli's fault. I don't make that that's not an indictment on Eli and we've had that conversation a long time ago Justin, you know, saying it's a problem that that your quarterback is not quote-unquote mobile in the pocket. I say you know who your quarterback is, put the guys in front of him so we can utilize his strengths, not point out the weaknesses. The weak, his weakness, if you look at the guys in front of him, what do what do they have in comp, What do they have that he doesn't? And it's the mobility. So, for a guy who you know is not a mobile quarterback to be sacked forty seven times, you're not putting guys in front of him that are going to allow him to stand in the pocket and start making throws under pressure. When you when you start getting hit more and more, and you know you can't escape, it makes you jittery. It makes you to use a word that. Uh, I believe it was Tom Coughlin way back in the day, but before Eli became a Super Bowl guy, I believe the word was, uh, squeamish that, that, uh, Tom Coughlin used a long time ago to describe a good word.
1: And David, let me, let me say this, like you bring up a good point and this is where, you know, this is where you start to kind of get the blame game a little bit, but, um, what good is it, uh, drafting Evan Engram
0: in the first round when you have a glaring holes of the offensive line? (laughs) the point is Jerry Reese neglected this for a long time. I have no problem playing the blame game because someone has to get the blame. Eli's production. Doesn't just magically drop off from 2015. Does not just magically drop off without other factors taking place. I'm sorry that that just doesn't happen. And if, if we can, if the majority of the giants fan base can look right now and say, Hmm, guy looks really good in preseason. Guy looks really good in camp. I'm actually kind of optimistic about this guy going to 2019. I am that person. All exactly, and all that does for me is that says so. You agree? The reason for Eli's quote-unquote demise is not solely is not solely because Eli suddenly can't play football anymore, or because Eli is deteriorating at such a rapid rate that he's not a serviceable quarterback anymore. It's because there were things that needed to get fixed. Gettleman's fixed them. This is not a quarterback who's going to be sacked 47 times. The Giants now have a top 10 offensive line in the league, which is something that the Giants have, according to you, never had in Eli Manning's at least not in a, At least not in a pass-blocking grading sense. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Good point. All right, yeah. So uh, if you've made it this far, well, I thank you. I do want to end up with some points of optimism. I want to review some things. That we've talked about on this podcast. If you are a first-time listener, um, we we're we're high on Eli in 2019. We're high on him uh, during this previewing the Giants series. What we do is we look back on previous seasons, we look back on previous stats, and some of the stats are not good for Eli Manning. But the eye test and what we've seen this training camp, the eye test and uh, what we've seen this this pre- during the preseason games, it's there it's strong. We're optimistic, we're happy. And that's because throughout this entire summer, David, I really do think that we have been the leading charge of finding out and analyzing to to a T what this Giants team needs to do to be successful with Eli Manning as quarterback that also does reflect where the NFL as a league is headed and where the NFL as a league is going. So, we're not, you know, we're not saying that we're going to move backwards. That's what I feel like a lot of people are, oh, you know, the Giants are going to run Saquon Barkley into the ground. And that's the type of team this is going to be. I I I don't I don't think so. Saquon Barkley is gonna get his, you know, he's gonna get his 20 touches a game uh, on average. On average, when you look back at the season, he's gonna get his 20 touches per game, whether that's receptions or carries, and it may even be a little bit more than that. That may be a a, a low end number on my part. But we've analyzed. League play-action numbers, how often successful forward-thinking teams are running play-action. The Eagles, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Patriots are four teams that are leading the charge in running play-action very often. The Giants are middle of the pack. Eli Manning has extremely sound footwork when running play-action. I can't explain it why he doesn't have the same footwork when he does three step and five step drops. But whenever he's running play action, maybe it's the fact that he's getting further away from the pocket so he doesn't feel as shell shocked and not I I not to use that term because I know that's a that's a term that's you know that you shouldn't just throw around shell-shocked, but he doesn't feel squeamish. Right, squeamish. Thank you. Thank you, Tom Coughlin. Thank you, Dave. Welcome. You know, not feeling squeamish when the pocket is collapsing in front of you or around you. So getting him in play action is a way to get him in space away from all the chaos and away from all the shitty Eric Flowers, uh, Chad Wheeler, Patrick Omame, Lyman. So running play action, uh, utilizing 12 personnel. For whatever reason, in 2018, The Giants had way more yards per attempt when running out of 12 personnel and when running out of 21 personnel, which are both running formations than 11 personnel. The league on average pretty much runs 11 personnel 70% of the time. So I would like to see the Giants use those running formations more utilizing play action and therefore utilizing Saquon Barkley more, even though he does not have the ball in his hands. So again, it's helping use the players around Eli Manning, it's using their strengths to help Eli's own strengths and own way that he plays the game as well. So if you're a bleeding blue listener, you know all of this. And I'm basically just kind of giving this quick little recap here. David, really, is there, you know, is there anything else you, you want to say about Eli? Like I I I am, even though I shot on Eli basically almost this entire episode, this is the first time that I've done it in a while. Because when you review these numbers, it's it's kind of bad. He's been kind of bad when you look back at the film like I have, rewatching every single offensive play from 2018. Uh, it's been bad, but I've been there in training camp and I've said all offseason and I've said for for years, ever since last year. I hope Eli Manning goes out there and proves me wrong. Right now he is. But let's get to Dallas and see what happens. So, David, do you have any anything else to add about Eli? And then we'll kinda we'll kinda we'll kind of wrap up,
0: I guess. Uh, I don't really have much to add. Um, I'm optimistic about Eli's 2019, um, but like I said in our in our, in our full length episode, it's going to be a short leash with him. They're not going to give him the rope to hang. They're not going to give him the rope to hang them with. Um, I think if 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 it starts out shaky, I think I think it's over. I think it's going to be quick. I think it's going to be an efficient break to Daniel Jones but I am, I am optimistic. I I am, I am more optimistic about his 2019 season than I have been in about three years.
1: David, um, when does, uh, how many, how many games does Eli Manning play this year? Uh,
0: am I speaking as an optimistic fan or am I speaking as a, um, someone who's covering this team
1: speak however you would like to present yourself, but then preface what perspective you're coming at it from.
0: Okay. Um, I'm speaking as somebody who's objectively covering the team. I think he plays four games. What? Four, four <gasps> to six games. I'll go four to six. David, I think he plays more. I actually think the fact that the opening schedule is in their favor, I think is going to work to Eli's detriment because I don't think they're going to put up numbers that that people are expecting. I think the call for Jones is going to come quick and Jones has done too much in the preseason. He's done he's played too well to keep sitting him. It's going um, it's going to happen. David, the script has flipped. Though best thing
1: for the team would be him playing 16 no, games. No, the best thing for the season would be Eli Manning for
0: the season, team season, team that's, season. that's what I should have said. Yeah. Team right.
1: season is Eli Manning playing all 16 games. The best thing for the franchise is Daniel Jones playing as much as possible. But we'll get to that in Daniel Jones' episode. But, David, I... Yes, we will. Like, in in my brain, I agree with you. I agree with you in the first four games is going to decide everything because the schedule is so favorable. It gets a little tougher after that. So after week four and into week five, after we play the Patriots and after we have some stretches of games, I know the Packers are even included in there. The Bears are the first game that we have off of a bye um, so a lot of tough games in the middle of the season, obviously you know there's there's the Eagles throwing there twice and that's always tough to see you know a team like the Eagles, the Vikings, um, you know which we never know what we never know what what they're gonna be. I hate to admit it, but the Jets are are, are good. Yeah, you, you we gotta wait and see what the Jets are gonna be um but you know the first four games is gonna decide the season. I mean that that's not a hot take. it's it's an objective take. We're really we're we're waiting and seeing how the first four games of the season go, and then we can kind of take it from there. If we have a really like a four a, a rough four game start where we're playing the Patriots, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Jets, the first four games of the season, then it's like okay, well maybe Eli has a little bit more of a window because those are such tough games. You, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah, I think he plays longer because I really do think that this team is you know. They're they're winning more than they have in years past. I do not expect three seasons in a row where we're talking about we're either one and six or we're zero oh and seven. Like I I just I just don't see that, David. Like this team this team is doing too many things right
0: for that to happen. Call me a homer. Eli is not going to survive a six or seven win season. Let me put it that way. It, I agree. I think it's possible they can win more football games than they have previously but at the same time it's not going to buy it's it's not going to buy games for Eli. And personally and honestly I think I think if Daniel Jones plays they'll win football games. No that that you hit the
1: nail on the head my friend that there is an argument that really do you really if if you think Eli Manning is going to go out there and win 7 games this year do you really think that Daniel Jones can't go out there and win 5? Like, do you really, this is a question, do you really think that if Eli Manning, that the ceiling for this team is seven, eight wins, do you really think that Daniel Jones can't go out there from what we've seen and squeeze out five games in what is a lot of favorable games this season? Right. And what's the difference between a five-win team and a seven-win team? The Giants have their quarterback. Giants have their quarterback. In the NFL draft, there's not that much of a difference. If you have your quarterback, the difference between a five-win season and a seven-win season, not that big of a difference. Right. So that's how I'm going to leave it off, and I'm going to leave that question for reflection, and maybe that's a question that David and I will revisit. That's a thought that's been on my mind. like That's been a thought that I've been like waiting to throw out there, Um, but really, this is a
0: long episode. This is not a mini episode. (laughs) Since we're so long already, I have one really quick thing I want to get off my chest. Yeah, you might as well just throw it out there, At this point, Andrew Luck, God bless you for retiring. I I completely support his decision. We're not getting into it. I personally support his decision. I think Indianapolis fans should be ashamed of themselves. However, what I want to say, this relates to Eli Manning, if enough with the Eli Manning to the Colts, it's bullshit. It's not happening. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, yeah, that didn't even – You're all being stupid. You're tacky, and I hate you. Well, that's a good drop. Thank you.
1: That's a good drop. I found it. Um, yeah, David, uh, uh, that didn't even like register in my brain as a thing to even talk about because... It's
0: big. People are saying it.
1: It's circulating. Why? Because
0: people have nothing better to do. Even if we sit here and we say, like, yeah, it could make sense. At the end of the day, he's got a damn no trade clause. If he didn't waive it last year, why would he waive it this year when they actually have a chance to win some football games? Stop think i honestly think it's because people have
1: nothing better to do because this is mainly towards the national media because the national media starts this shit they start this shit and then it gets into people's heads where david we're trying to hear we're we're trying here to sit and talk about football and stats and we're trying and we're looking at film and we're comparing the two and trying to paint a picture the word picture as susan waldman would call john sterling's radio call for the new york yankees We're trying to paint the word picture of this Giants football team. And then meanwhile, you have other people, mainly national media people, who just spew off the bullshit and have literally nothing better to do because they don't actually... Because they're afraid to actually talk substantive football. The fact
0: that people believe that A, Eli Manning wants to go anywhere... B, the Colts would, I've seen people suggest a second round pick for Eli Manning. First of all, if Dave Gettleman manages to get a first or second round pick for Eli Manning, I will put forward a substantial amount of money in my savings that I don't have. I'll sell everything. And I will put forward the first down payment on the Dave Gettleman statue in front of MetLife Stadium. Do you really think the Indianapolis Colts are going to are gonna sell part of their future for a 38-year-old quarterback who has not had a solid year in four or five years? Really? They're going to go from Andrew Luck to this version of Eli Manning? Give me a fucking break. Stop it. Matt Lombardo. If I see Matt Lombardo suggest why this, this is why it makes a ton of sense. You don't make a ton of sense. Stop. He was doing that? Yeah, I really do
1: selectively like look at stuff from Matt Lombardo. But I mean, come on, like, you know, some of his stuff is decent. But then, you know, uh, dude, like, oh, my God, I don't even follow him.
0: I don't even follow him. But somebody who I follow loves him and retweets him. And I and, and I need to figure out who that is. You're gone. I'm sorry. You're gone. I can't handle it. It's not good for my mental health. It's not it's not good for my uh for my headspace. I can't handle it. Just can't. I'm done. All right. So uh that's that's it.
1: That's going to uh uh wrap up this uh previewing the Giants episode. Can't wait for
0: Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones's episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, it, it's we we've set a trend here. The the big players get get some big yeah. talking. Well, I mean, there's a difference between 25 minutes and an hour. Yeah, 35 minutes.
1: Zing all right. Um thank you for listening. Thank you for really just being you. I mean at this point I just want to thank you for being the person that you are today on this planet earth and uh keep on bleeding blue and
0: David double underscore pause. Jay Panic 74. And everyone else out there, stay beautiful.